All right, just just click record and let me know when you're recording. So Zach, how about them jets? You want you want to hear a really funny joke? Sure. Calling a zero blitz on the last play of the game when you're up by four against one of the fastest wide receivers in the NFL <laughs> and thinking that you'll beat him. <laughs> Oh, Nothing boy. says fun like cover Lawrence. The greatest defensive coverage of all time. And what you do is you say, you know what? We don't want to win. So let's let the Raiders just match and get a 45 yard Hail Mary. That seems like a great idea. Yep. Bye, Greg Williams. <laughs> yeah, rest in peace, Trevor Lawrence's career. here we go in three two and Welcome into the Smith and Seidel show, everyone. Jacob Seidel and Zach Smith with you as we have reached a milestone. This is episode 716. Can you not do math? I did the I did it for you. I looked at the wrong number. I have one thing that says 17 on my stream deck and I looked at the wrong place. Anyway, episode 16, insert snappy title here. I got to get better at the titles. They were so good when we first started. Yeah, and you want to know why? It's because I put a title at the beginning of every time we started planning out. No, I mean the first few ones I made up before you started. Oh, yeah, the first couple ones you did, and then the first couple ones I did, they were really good. Like, you got uh, Bloody Sunday, uh, Returns and Big Goodbyes, MLB Blitz, The World of Sports. And then it becomes first part. Insert snappy NFL pun here. <laughs> I thought I, I liked the insert snappy NFL pun here one, though. Hey, man, if we really need one right now, we could title it the joke of the New York Jets, because that that is ridiculous. The New York Jets had an opportunity to not go 0-16. And they had the it, chance. This is the second game they've had that chance against a, a pretty decent opponent. The Patriots first, and now the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, who, by the way, don't deserve a playoff spot for almost losing to the Jets. No, and then, and then suddenly it's, you know what? Nah, we don't. Winning never heard of her, and just... <laughs> There you go. That's all you need. That's such an embarrassing thing, man. So we'll, we'll start off every episode or this episode like we do every other episode on today in sports history for December 9th. Uh, this one back in 1978, the first game of the Women's Pro Basketball League, the WBL. So one of the precursors or precursors to the WNBA, uh, their first game was held on today's date. In 1978, between the Chicago Hustle and the Milwaukee Does. Okay, so one that's really cool that that was one of the first women's professional basketball games played. But come on, the Does? Like, yeah, the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, that makes sense. We're just going to call ourselves the Does, the female version of a deer. Makes sense to me. It, It makes sense, but... It makes sense. That that's about it. It makes logical sense. I think there are better names they could have chosen. 
a little bit, but you, you look at like that, that's the start right there. Look at where uh, women's basketball has come now, man. The WNBA looks really good. You got a lot of really talented players in there that don't really get a lot of recognition. Mm-hmm. A lot of really lot- talented players and really they're building something. Mm-hmm. I watched a, uh, a documentary, a documentary on Twitter the other day of Russell Wilson having a conversation with Sue Bird two of the best Seattle players to ever do anything. It was actually really cool just to see how much time and preparation it goes into. But as, as I said, the WNBA does not get as much credit as it should. Yeah, you are right, Zach. So that'll move us into a quick breaking news segment. Uh, This broke today, day of recording, but yesterday day this released Number three, Ohio State and Michigan has been canceled due to positive COVID tests by the Wolverines. Uh, This is the first time in 103 years this game will not be played. The last time it was not played was in 1917. Yeah, and the other thing important to note about this game, yeah, you could say, oh, well, Ohio State was just going to beat up on Michigan regardless. This is the third game the Buckeyes will have had canceled due to COVID-19. As of right now, uh, again, as we're recording on the 8th, as you're listening, either on the 9th or beyond, as of right now, the Ohio State Buckeyes are not eligible for the Big Ten championship game. That was a rule that was set in place when Big Ten football came back. Um, You had to you could get through two games and say, okay, two games is a buffer of we don't play that. But you got to play at least six games. And. If that's the case right now, Indiana would be representing the East from the Big Ten in the championship. Now, when the game got called, Ryan Day and multiple other people, like not even just Ohio State Buckeyes people, this is this is fans, this is um, academic uh, advisors to the sport, um, colleges all over the place are turning saying, hey, look, the Big Ten, you need to do this because the first two, yeah, was on Ohio State, or at least the Maryland one was. No, but the Maryland you, one was on Maryland. The Illinois Maryland one was, was on, on Ohio State. Got it. My bad. I misinterpreted. Um, but th- this one's on Michigan. This is an Ohio State team is ready to play. This is one that has battled a little bit of COVID-19 themselves after coming off of a big win over Michigan State. Uh, that one, they didn't have a lot of their starters on the offensive line. Coach Ryan Day did not coach for the Buckeyes. So that's the most important thing to note here is that as of right now, the Ohio State Buckeyes are eliminated from the Big Ten title game, which could prove detrimental to their chances of getting into the college football playoff. So, Zach, with the cancellation, there's rumors that Ohio State is going to try to fill the hole on the schedule. Cincinnati has been thrown at, but their game this week was canceled on their end, I believe. Uh, could we see Coastal Carolina make a trip to the shoe? Well, the thing is, is that, again, the Big Ten said that you have to play at least six games to be eligible for the college football playoff. Now, what they're trying to do, or at least from what I've seen and read and heard what they're trying to do, is they want to fill that spot with another game to give the Buckeyes the opportunity to have that sixth game. Uh, You mentioned Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina will be taking on the Trojans of Troy this weekend. Um, there, you mentioned Cincinnati, but again, Cincinnati's game did get postponed. Uh, the other one or Cincinnati at Tulsa got canceled, but they will meet in the AAC championship game. Uh, Ole Miss and Texas A&M is the other one that did get canceled due to COVID or postponed due to COVID-19. So, um, you're either going to see maybe another big 10 opponent get in there this week and turn and say, okay, well you, this team over here 
doesn't have a game this or all Big Ten teams will have a game this week. But like Northwestern, you're playing up against a team that is kind of injured. Uh, maybe bring Northwestern in or turn and uh, approach. Or if we see another game canceled on one end in the Big Ten, say Wisconsin's game this week is canceled by who who they're facing, we could see Ohio State-Wisconsin in the shoe. Uh, Another one, an in-state opponent, I know Ohio had their game canceled, and I know the Bobcats aren't a big name, but that would fill that schedule schedule hole, and it's two hours, or it's like an hour from Athens Athens to Columbus. As far as I know, they're just trying to either fill the slot or turn and say... Hey, Big Ten, you got to make an exception here because it's not technically our fault that anything's wrong. We are here ready to play. The Michigan Wolverines are not, and we're going to get punished for it. It's something similar to what we've seen in the NFL already with COVID-19, but I'm I'm at least being told through Twitter and the rest of social media that the Big Ten is looking to potentially put a new game into that spot. Okay, we're going to move on now to our, this is our pro show. We just needed to mention that because that is a big, big development for Ohio State, which has college football playoff implications. So we'll move on to the NFL, and Jalen Hurts has been named the starter for the Eagles after Carson Wentz has another really horrid game. Yeah, the Eagles playing the Packers, and, you know, that game was actually kind of close. And you can blame Carson Wentz a little bit. And I know that I, I talked to you a little bit, Jacob, about uh, a lot of the stuff going on in terms of production in Philadelphia. But it's it's really as simple as this, is that Philadelphia's offensive line is hurt and offensive weapons have been in and out hurt. But you got to look at it from this perspective. Jalen Hurts came in in the third quarter. Jalen Hurts went 5 for 12, 109 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Now, are you going to beat Green Bay in Lambeau? Probably not, but you made it a game close. 13 points you put up in the fourth quarter to make it a, a, a 30 to 16 game. It was a one possession game for a little while. Um, up at the end, it was 23 to 16 after Jalen Rager took a punt return 73 yards back to the house. And, you know, then an 80 yard run. The Philadelphia Eagles are kind of just a mess right now. And this is either an approach by the coaching staff of Philadelphia turning to say Carson Wentz, look, just cause you were taken and you've gotten paid just cause you got all this going for you. You are not the starter. You are the starter because you perform and you show up week to week. You haven't done that lately. So we're going to let Jalen hurts play his way into it. He, uh, Carson Wentz had to play his way out of a starting role. And he has done that thus far this season. And we mentioned, we talked a little bit about this on Sunday, Zach. It's not all Carson Wentz's fault, but he's not looking like the Carson Wentz we saw in former years. For Carson Wentz, yeah, it's not his fault. But at the same time, you look at what teams have done without quarterbacks and how well they've rallied around them. The best example I can give you is the San Francisco 49ers. The San Francisco 49ers are more injured than the Eagles. The Eagles are right there, but the 49ers have had more significant injuries than the Philadelphia Eagles. Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas. You look at all of these names that have just gotten hurt for the 49ers, and the 49ers are still playing. They're playing well. And the Eagles, if you put them in the AFC, they are not in playoff contention. They are not in playoff contention. They have lost too many games against too many teams. 
it's only because of the NFC East that they have a possibility. And the NFC East isn't looking all that bad anymore. So if, if I had to sit here and say anything to the Philadelphia Eagles, it's you need to figure out what is the problem because it's not looking good. You have enough offensive talent there to make a small run. Your defense, for the most part, is healthy. You brought in Darius Slay. He was supposed to be the last piece that you needed. But this team has just not looked good. And it starts with Carson Wentz, but Carson Wentz is not the only problem. We'll move on. And the Steelers undefeated no more. The Steelers fell to the Washington football team on Monday afternoon. And the Steelers had the lead. And then just some interceptions, some poor defensive play really put this one in the lap of the Washington football team, Zach. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. As, as a Steelers fan, there, I, I, there are two reactions. There is the logical approach of it's one game, it's one loss, everything's okay. And then there's the, this team sucks, this team needs to get better, yada, yada. Now, look, no team is perfect in the NFL. Not a one. Every team has a flaw, and that's the game of football. You take the flaw and you exploit it. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs almost lost to the Denver Broncos on Sunday night. The Kansas City Chiefs have lost a game to the Raiders and almost lost their other game to the Raiders. The Chiefs have looked very beatable, and it's their defensive side of the ball that is their their weakness. It's their Achilles heel. The Packers. The Packers let up a lot of run yards. You could run the clock on the Packers. That's their fall. The Seattle Seahawks. You force Russell Wilson to make bad throws, and you will lose, and the Seahawks will lose that game. That's their flaw. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, their flaw is their run game. The Steelers cannot run the ball efficiently, or efficiently, excuse me. Now, there, there's things to look at with this game. Uh, there was injuries. Marquise Pouncey was out due to COVID. James Conner was out due to COVID. Steven Nelson, the, uh, the second string corner, uh, was hurt. Chris Boswell, the place kicker, was hurt. That's one thing right there. Robert Spillane, the replacement middle linebacker for Devin Bush, who was hurt for the year with a torn ACL, got hurt. Won't need surgery from what I read, so he should be okay, but not for the Bills game. Joe Hayden possibly has a concussion. Injuries mount. It happens. It's football. But the thing that it hurt this team on Monday night, other than the run game, was dropped passes. The Steelers are not a team known for dropped passes, but they now lead the league in dropped passes. It, it It's not good. It is, it is not. You do not win games like that. Not only does a dropped pass keep the or stop the clock, but now suddenly instead of it being like a third and four, it's a third and eight because you didn't get the four yards on the catch. That's the thing that I'm concerned about. It has nothing to do with the defense. The defense will find a way. It always does. It is the it is the staple of the Steelers. It's it's going to be a great game on Sunday, but the question is going to become, can the Steelers run the ball and can the Steelers catch passes? That's what I'm concerned about. And I'm not trying to take anything away here from the Washington football team. The Washington football team came out and played a great game. Alex Smith looks great especially after losing Antonio Gibson early in that game. That offensive line just got thrashed all game, and they still found a way to win because that defense for the Washington football team is something scary. That's all I'm saying with that game. It's it's not good. It really isn't. But the other thing you got to keep in mind is that's the second of three games the Steelers will play in 12 days. They played last week against the Baltimore Ravens. Should not have won that game, but they, the Steelers did. 
And I've said it multiple times on this podcast, and Jacob, you agreed with me. The Steelers don't need to go 16-0. and I didn't want the Steelers to go 16-0. and You and I both thought they would lose at least one game, but I don't think either of us thought it would be to Washington. No, I definitely didn't think so, but the drop passes really didn't help, and now Steelers have to look for uh, look towards the Bills, which we'll talk a little bit about it later, but that could be another game that's going to be hard for the Steelers, especially with injuries mounting. Yeah, injuries mounting is the big thing, but you know that's why I look at um, Coach Mike Tomlin, and watching a little bit of his press conference today, he made one comment that actually I'm very happy he made. He said, and I quote, they can catch the ball or they can get replaced by those that will catch it. I expect guys to make routine plays routinely. And, you know, Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches in the game. Anybody can agree with that statement. You're, you're looking at a guy who is in his tenure, never had a losing season. Mike Tomlin will light a fire under these guys and I expect them to be ready. And I hope that this is the one loss because unless the chiefs lose, the Steelers are not in a good spot right now. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's going to be an interesting end of the season in Pittsburgh. We'll move to, uh, to Nashville now where the Browns made a statement win. Baker Mayfield has now gone since October 25th without throwing an interception. He threw four TDs in the first half, tying a franchise record with Otto Graham. That's good company to be in. He threw for 334 yards, his season high, a quarterback rating of 147, and the Browns were able to get it done. And they did so dominantly. And I'm going to sit here and say, you know, I didn't think that the Browns were going to win this game. I I think you agreed with me on that one. I think you did. But I I didn't think that they were going to go into Nashville and win this game. Um, The the secondary has just not been good for the Browns, for a lack of better words, with Sandejo being back there. Uh, Grant Delpit's hurt. Denzel Ward didn't play. Greedy Williams has been hurt. You're, you're playing with essentially a practice squad secondary. Now, the secondary has gotten a lot of time, but it, it's, it's a relatively unexperienced secondary. Um, and I thought that the Titans would have exploited more of a passing game, turn and rely on the play action that they run so well with Derrick Henry. But they didn't. Derrick Henry looked really, really human. He was not a robot. He fumbled. He was getting tackled for a loss constantly. And a thing, another question mark I had of the Browns that was their defensive line, and their defensive line was playing at an all-pro level. Baker Mayfield had himself a day against a secondary for the Titans that's supposed to be really good. The Titans are a hoax. The Titans' defense cannot get pressure on the edge. This team only has uh, Derrick Henry to rely upon. Now, I will say the Titans made it a game in the fourth quarter. The third and fourth quarter were really, really good. But that you, you can't play from behind in the NFL. You can't. No, once it, you let it get past the three or four, once you let it get past the three possession game, and I'll let you continue in here in a second. Once you let it get past the three possession game, you're done. It is almost impossible to come back from that much. The Titans almost did it, but it's tough. Sorry. sorry I, I, you're I, good. You're good. I kept thinking you 
I just got really tired of seeing a lot of Browns fans say, oh, if there was one more quarter, the Browns would have lost. Well, it's a good thing you only play four quarters of football. Like, come on, man. Enjoy the win. The Browns have their first winning record since 2007. They are um, two two wins away from locking up their first playoff berth since 2002. They are on their second four-game win streak of the season. Baker is looking like rookie Baker. He's doubled up his touchdown to interceptions. Tripled up, actually. He's 21 touchdowns to seven interceptions. He has seven interceptions. That's still a lot. But in the NFL, when you're playing against some of the top-tier talent, I'm not going to complain 21 touchdowns to seven interceptions. And you've got the New York Jets and the New York Giants after the Ravens. And the Ravens themselves are looking like they belong in the NFC East right now. The thing that I'm going to turn and say, as, as a Steelers fan to a Browns fan, enjoy the win. It was a good win. That That's the type of win that I've been waiting for the Browns to have all year. This, this Browns team, and correct me if I'm wrong on anything that I say right now, the Cleveland Browns offense has been lethargic this year. The Cleveland Browns defense has been questioned all year long. The Cleveland Browns themselves have been deemed a, why are you this good team? You're supposed to be really, really good, but you're not putting all this talent to performance on the field. I'm not wrong in anything that I just said. You look at this win this week. You played dominantly in all three phases. The offense was borderline unbeatable all game long. Your run game was unstoppable, and Baker Mayfield turned that into good throws. This is a, the first game in a while that no one can sit here and criticize Baker Mayfield. Did he miss an open man once or twice? Yes, but it happens. The defense played really well. Again, you're going up against arguably the best running back in the NFL. This wide receiving core for the Titans isn't that bad. Ryan Tannehill is pretty solid himself. Special teams showed up. When Cody Parkey went out to kick a field goal, he made the field goal. This is the best win that I've seen the Cleveland Browns have all year, and I'd be very, very happy if I was a Browns fan. Now, you make a good point. This season is not over yet. You have to remember that. You have two big games on your schedule and two games that you should win. You've got the Ravens this week. You've got the Steelers week 17. And the Steelers, after a loss this past week, that game might become a big game. That week 17 game might be huge. It might be the Steelers already have the North, but the Steelers might go into that game saying, we need to get a win to get the bye week we haven't had since week four. The Browns might be sitting there playing for their playoff lives at that point. The New York Giants just upset the Seattle Seahawks. The New York Giants are no pushovers right now. The New York Jets have had moments where they look really good, too. You know, you, you can't overlook a team in the NFL. And so the Cleveland Browns, yes, we beat the Tennessee Titans. Awesome. I'm Great job to the Browns, but the Browns got to stay focused. And that's, that's the next question. The Browns have already done what I wanted them to do, and it's have a winning season. Anything beyond this point is just sprinkles on the ice cream. Yeah, winning winning season. Browns, last time they had a winning season was 07. The last time the Browns made the playoffs, I was five. So yeah, I'm happy with the winning season. We can go playoffs next year if we don't get it this year. I'm happy with the winning season. And and that's that's the expectation that you got to have. 
I remember sitting in my dorm room my freshman year and seeing Odell Beckham get traded to the Browns. And suddenly it's the entirety of Cleveland going, oh, we're going to a Super Bowl. But no, you can't have that expectation. You mentioned you haven't had a winning season in over a decade. Little by little, let's get there. Winning record. Awesome. Do it again next year. But next year, push for playoffs. Never stop getting better. Once you hit playoffs once, get a playoff win. And just keep building and building. That's the culture that you need to establish. It's a winning culture. Kevin Stefanski was the best coaching choice you could have gone with this year. And he's played his way into the coach of the year conversation. So we'll go from there to the NFC East. Giants beat the Seahawks. Football team beats the Steelers. We already mentioned that. Zach, I know you wrote this bullet point. I'm going to say it because you did it. But I'm also going to say no. Is the NFC East competitive again? No. They're still the garbage fire of the NFL. Yeah, they might get a win if someone's overlooking them in the playoffs, whoever comes out of it. But no, the NFC East is not competitive. I'm, I'm going to disagree. And I'm not going to say that the entirety of the NFC East is competitive. The Eagles still look like a hot mess. The Cowboys... I, I can't criticize the Cowboys anymore. I, I can't do it. Andy um, Dalton. <laughs> that, that, that's the only word you have to say. The Cowboys, look, you, you've had games that you should have won. You've had those games. But Mike McCarthy is not the coach you want. Dak Prescott's hurt, and that's that's all I'm going to say. That The Cowboys have been a disappointment is the best way I can describe it. But the Washington football team's defense is amongst the best in the NFL. Not just statistically, but the level they play at. And again, the offense with Alex Smith is humming. Now, the Antonio Gibson injury, that could be a big thing. Terry McLaurin is one of the best young receivers in the NFL. The New York Giants are okay. Am I going to say the entirety of the NFC East is competitive? Absolutely not. I agree with that, that it's a dumpster fire. But... I, I really got to like what I got to say that I like what I saw out of Washington and out of New York. Those are teams that are going to be good here in the near future, like really good. From there to another team that has kind of clawed their way back into the playoff picture. Patriots special team score twice. Pats beat the Chargers. Are the Patriots making the playoffs, Zach? I want your hot take right now. Oh, man, you're kind of taken away from a little bit later. But I mean, if, if I had to say right now, are the Patriots making the postseason? No, you see, the, the, the Patriots are in a position where they have to win out and they need some help. And, you know, we'll talk about it when we talk of our Thursday night picks here in a moment. But the, the Patriots don't have that easy of a schedule, dude. You got the Rams still. You got the Bills you have to play. The Dolphins you have to play. It, it, it does not look good. This Patriots team, unless Bill Belichick and Cam Newton can pull some magic, I don't see it happening. Yeah, I don't see it either. Like Bill Belichick, you can't count a Bill Belichick coach team out any time, but I just don't think they have the power they have or have the power they need to uh, to get it done. So we'll move on to the big games. And Zach, I don't want to go in this order. I kind of want to do this for you real quick. We'll start with the two teams in contention for the number one seed in the AFC. So the Chiefs are going to the Dolphins. That is not a pushover game for the Chiefs. 
No, Tua, not at all. Tua, not at all. Tua Tungavailoa has been playing really well. The Dolphins starting to ramp up production in the AFC East. What do you? What are you going to see out of this game? So there's something that I want to see on both sides of the ball. I mean, you again, you mentioned that this is a big game. You look back at when the schedule was released and you said, oh, the Chiefs are about to run the table through most of these games. But as I said, the Chiefs have looked relatively beatable the past couple of weeks. Denver figured a way out of how to almost beat them. And, you know, it comes down to a, a mistake or two, but the Broncos should have won the game. They should have done much better. You look at the Raiders. The Raiders found a formula to beat the Kansas city chiefs and it's running the ball and keeping the chiefs off the, off the, you know, the field. You look at the dolphins, the dolphins have played really well lately and I don't know why they're doing it, but they're playing really well. Their defense has been really good. Xavier Howard leads the league in interceptions. And, and, and you mentioned Tua Tonga Vailoa has been really good. And you and I mentioned when Ryan Fitzpatrick got benched, you and I thought it was too early, but we also sat here and said, if Tua has shown why he should be the starter, congratulations, and I hope he does well. This is a game that I think is going to be really close, actually. It's in Miami. This is a Miami Dolphins team that kind of controls their own destiny when getting into the playoffs. They're trying to make it into the playoffs for the first time in a little while. But you look at what this game means. And you mentioned the, the number one seed is up for grabs. The Steelers still have the number one seed as that loss came to an out-of-conference opponent. The Steelers have the better in-conference record than the Chiefs as the Chiefs lost to the Raiders. If Miami wins this game, not only is it a buffer to the Steelers, but it could spell trouble for a Kansas City Chiefs team that is trying to just win their division right now. Uh, a win in Kansas City clinches that division. Kansas City's next two games are the two biggest ones of their, of their season at Miami and then next week at the Superdome in New Orleans to take on the Saints who should have Drew Brees back. I'm excited to see what happens here, but if you want my true opinion here, I think that this defense could give Kansas City some fits. That's, that's what I think as well. I think the Dolphins have what it takes to upset the Chiefs. And then we'll go to the Steelers heading to Buffalo to play the Bills. Steelers banged up. Bills trying to maintain their lead over the Dolphins for the AFC East. And I think we're going to see a Steelers team struggling a little bit off a loss, but not because they lost last week, but because of the injuries. I would agree with that. And, and being the Steelers fan, I am. I, I've been watching a lot. Uh, any game that I can see of my Steelers, I watch. And ever since the first Baltimore game, not the second one, the Steelers have kind of taken their foot off the gas. And it's the mistakes. It's it When, when it comes to football, fundamentals are sometimes the biggest, most important thing. And it's it, it, it's all about catching the ball. Run the ball effectively. Go from there. Marquise Pouncey is supposed to come back, as is James Conner. So the, the offensive side of it should be better, and the defense is still really good, and they're finding ways to continue with players. Buffalo has Josh Allen. Josh Allen's going to be a, tr a little bit of trouble. Stephon Diggs is really good, in case you didn't know. Um, my question mark right now, if because I, I gave one for both Chiefs and Dolphins, for the Steelers... It's the health of their cornerback room. 
Joe Hayden is possibly not playing this game due to a concussion. I didn't see whether or not he it was confirmed he had one or not. And Steven Nelson did not play against the football team because he had a knee injury. If it's Mike Hilton, Cam Sutton, Justin Lane, I'm I'm a little nervous. The secondary is still really good. Just or excuse me, Minka Fitzpatrick is arguably a great defensive player of the year candidate. Terrell Edmonds has had a really great season. That's my area of concern. TJ Watt will be TJ Watt and get to the quarterback. Stephon Tuitt, Cameron Hayward. Uh, you even got to give a little bit of credit to Alex Highsmith, the rookie out of Charlotte, who has played really well. That's all I'm saying. The secondary is what I'm scared for. On the other side of it, for the Bills, the Bills have struggled against really, really good teams this year. There are games that Josh Allen has shown up and played really well. There have been games where Josh Allen kind of gets scared in the spotlight. Look, the, the Steelers lost last year to the Bills in a one-possession game in Pittsburgh. And that was without a competent offense. I have a feeling that Mike Tomlin is going to turn and light a fire under this team. And I think that the drop passes are going to be lowered a lot. And it, it comes down to me for can James Conner run the ball effectively for Pittsburgh. And on the other side of it, can the Steelers or can the Bills defense step up and play well and play consistently? Zach, remember, we're PG-13. So where are they lighting the fire under? We're allowed one bad word. <laughs> oh, man. Nah, we're not using it yet. Not using not it yet. Not using it. Family friendly. Family friendly. Okay. Ravens and Browns in Cleveland. This is the second to last home game for the Browns. And if the Browns win this game, the Ravens playoff hopes are almost done. Miles Garrett is back. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see Ward back, but this is a... Ravens team whose receiving core is pretty banged up, especially with tight end Mark Andrews as of right now, still on the COVID reserve list. Don't know if he's going to be back in time for this game or not, but in my eyes, and this isn't just looking at as a Browns fan, looking at what the Browns have done in the last five weeks. I think this is the Browns game to lose. Yes and no. Yes and no. And part of it's going to be based on what we see against the Cowboys and the Ravens going on Tuesday night. So a little bit here, less than about an hour or so uh, as he and I are recording. But the, the Ravens-Dallas game could be really big. But with Cleveland, Cleveland hasn't been able to play against the Ravens. And you go back to that last year, Cleveland needed a win against the Ravens, couldn't get it. Cleveland needed a win to start the season. They got blown out. That's a Ravens team at full strength. That's what I'm a little concerned about. Now, do I think that the Browns can win this game and handle it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, I think they can do it if they show up. When this Browns team shows up, they're tough to beat. They're a tough out. When the Browns team doesn't show up, that's what I'm scared of. Now, COVID is going to be a huge factor here. It's that's going to be dependent. And I think, again, the Dallas game is dependent upon it because you mentioned if the Ravens lose this game, they're almost out. There's a way for them to still make it in and it requires some help, but they're already out of the AFC North. The Ravens cannot win the North. The North right now is the Steelers to lose. The Baltimore Ravens are desperate and a desperate team is not a, exactly a team you want to play. That's why I'm a little concerned here. And it depends again on who's injured. 
the offensive line is hurt already for Baltimore. So Cleveland's going to have an opportunity to get to Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson is mobile. He can move. So again, my question becomes, will Cleveland show up against a Baltimore team that they haven't been able to play well against lately? You also have to wonder if maybe Miles Garrett might be played holding back just a little bit, not rushing after him to kind of watch out for that because on the defensive line, Miles Garrett is probably the most athletic edge rusher in the game. Brown's also getting some help in the wide receiver room. Uh, They claimed wide receiver Marvin Hall off waivers from the Detroit Lions yesterday uh, just to kind of help out a banged-up receiver core for the Browns. Uh, He hasn't played much. He's not really the best or not the biggest name receiver, but he's someone that can help out with the Browns. And the thing with Marvin Hall, Marvin Hall's fast. If you've ever watched Marvin Hall when he played for the Lions, you're seeing Matt Stafford throw the ball when Marvin Hall's like 20 yards away from where he's aiming with it, and he's making catches. Marvin Hall's fast. He could be a really big addition for the Browns. And that's going to help with deep ball accuracy. And big, another big deep ball threat for Baker. He can give it a put a little more air underneath it if they decide to take a shot for an end zone. That could help out. We'll have to see what happens, but I still think this is going to be the Browns showing that they can buy, definitely compete for the wild card spot. And maybe, depending what happens, maybe bring some pressure behind Pittsburgh for the AFC North. I could see it. Nothing is impossible in the uh, in the world of football. The uh, Cleveland Browns, again, their next four games, Buffalo, the Giants, the Jets, and then the Steelers. A lot can happen between now and week 17. But I, I agree. I do like the Browns this week against the Ravens. Another game with a lot of playoff uh, possibilities happening, Colts and Raiders with the Lost to the Browns last week. The Titans are a lot more vulnerable for that AFC South uh, uh, spot. And the Colts right behind them. This could be a game where the Colts maybe sneak in. But they have to play the Raiders, who are really a mixed bag. If they are, which one, which Raiders team is going to show up? Yeah, and, and the thing with the Raiders... You mentioned you don't know what team's going to show up. It could be the team that went and beat the Kansas City Chiefs where you run the ball efficiently and suddenly you're really good. I think one of the big reasons why the Jets game was so close was because of the fact the Raiders with or without Josh Jacobs. But the Raiders find ways to beat you, either on the defensive side of the ball or the offensive side of the ball. Darren Waller is one of the best tight ends in football, period. Henry Ruggs is a really good pick. Derek Carr is not a pushover, but the fact that you almost lost to the Jets you should have lost to the Jets. If the Jets have a competent coaching system, you lose. You lose that game. Period. Done. End of story. I cannot give a game to the Raiders. I cannot. Yeah, the game's in in Vegas, but no. The, the Colts have a really good defense. But it, you, you give the Colts defense on the field that last play of the game against the Raiders, and the Raiders don't make that win. Now, maybe the Raiders are coming in with a little momentum. The Raiders are right there for playing for their playoff lives. But I, I can't do it unless they can force Phillip Rivers to turn the ball over. It's an important game because the Titans are, or the Colts are still in the AFC South, and they've got a tough schedule down the stretch. They got the Steelers still. They have to go and take on the Texans again. 
I don't know. I, I, I don't know what this team, this, this is a game with a lot of implications, but it depends on what team shows up because I've seen two different teams. I, I think Phillip Rivers and the Colts are going to have a good chance here. They just need to learn how to finish out the game. Vikings and Bucks. Vikings playing a lot better as of late. The Bucks not as much. We'll see what happens, but I think this is another game where we could see one team's playoff hopes skyrocket and the others fall. Yeah, the Vikings are in a position where they win and they're in. That simple as that. Uh, the Buccaneers cannot get the AFC South as they lost both games to the New Orleans Saints. Um, there's a lot to unpack with this type of game. And my question becomes, did this offense finally get some synergy over the bye week? We, the last time we saw the Buccaneers, they got thrashed by Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill. That was the last time we saw him. That game became a game late, but the defense couldn't stop at the very end, and this offense started too late. If this team can get it going right off the bat, this, this is their test right here. The Vikings had another scare game. They almost lost to the Jaguars this week. That's the game that's not going to get talked about because of the fact that the Jets are a thing. Now, can Kirk Cousins get it going? Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Irv Smith, Kirk, or Kyle Rudolph. This team has the pieces. You got to show it. Again, Minnesota wins out and they're in. You win every game and you will make it into the postseason. But you got a tough stretch. The Buccaneers, you are in a pretty tough division. You're in a good spot, but you got to win too. So I'm, I'm actually really excited for this game. I am too. I think that's going to be the game I watch on Sunday because the Browns play on Monday. And then the Patriots going out to L.A. to play the Rams. Patriots need a win to keep their playoff hopes alive. Rams are not what they were a few years ago when they made the Super Bowl and played the Patriots. I think we're going to see Bill Belichick's team come out with a close win in this one. The Rams, yeah, they've got some pieces. They just haven't. Yeah, I know they've got some pieces. They have a lot of pieces, Zach. This is also the time yeah. where we make our Thursday night picks. This so also who do you got? Oh, I've got the Patriots by a field goal. It's I, I think it's going to be a close one. I think it's going to be the Patriots coming out and doing just enough to get it done. I could not disagree with you more. I could not disagree with you more. Look, the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick has done a good job coaching, but this is not the New England Patriots. This is not the team that's going to beat you throwing the ball deep. This is a team that's got to try to beat you with Cam Newton running the football. And you want to know what the, the, the Los Angeles Rams are really good at? It's stopping the run. Like, they're pretty good at it. Not not I don't know if you know that. Um, they just shut down Kyler Murray this past week. And they stopped DeAndre Hopkins, who is arguably the best receiver in football. This defense is legit, and it might be the reason they win this game. Now, they're going up against a pretty good defense themselves. Bill Belichick always tries to have as best of a defense as he can. He still has Stephon Gilmore. He's still got the McCordys. But I don't know if I can say the same thing defensively about the Patriots that I can about the Rams. I give this game to the Rams. This game ends the New England Patriots playoff hopes. And the New England Patriots will lose this game by 10. 
And now, in lieu of the Smitties, we have Smitty's three-quarter season award updates. And, Zach, we'll start out with our consensus MVP pick right now in Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, this MVP pick has kind of bounced around. My preseason MVP was Josh Allen. My preseason, or my MVP for most of the year has been Russell Wilson. But, you know, and, and I've said this repeatedly, the the race behind Russell Wilson kept getting closer and closer and closer. It's not how you start the race. It's how you finish it. Russell Wilson's played well this year. I won't take that away from him, but he hasn't been playing at an MVP for performance. I, he, he hasn't been. This race is going to come down to two players. It's either Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes. I've mentioned people that you can sprinkle in there as potential MVP candidates. Uh, Derek Henry has been on that list. Ben Roethlisberger has been on that list. Nick Chubb has been on that list. Just purely based on how important they are to the team. But Aaron Rodgers has been the best quarterback in the NFL. And you can argue Patrick Mahomes. But talent-wise... Patrick Mahomes has some of the best people around in the NFL. Tyree Kill, who is the fastest player in the NFL. Travis Kelsey, who is one of the best tight ends in the NFL. You've got a great running back room of Clyde Edwards, Alaire, a great rookie out of LSU, and Le'Veon Bell. You've got a really good uh, core of receivers. Um, Sammy Watkins, first and foremost, was a first-rounder for the Buffalo Bills out of Clemson a couple years back. You look at it talent-wise, the Chiefs have more talent. But, you know, when you look at the Packers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, yeah. And then look at you look at the rest of the team, guys who you never really heard of until this year. Robert Tanyan, their tight end. You look at Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez Scantling. Aaron Rodgers just threw for four hundred total or four hundred passing touchdowns in his career. Aaron Rodgers is one of the best to ever do it in a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer. Aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback if I'm looking at the two, numbers-wise and L. Um, my MVP right now is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and it helps that I'll, I'll use the same euphemism I've used all season. You could take the stadium custodian, put him on the field, and Aaron Rodgers would make him a pro bowler. Offensive player of the year, I, I have to agree with you again, Zach, Derrick Henry, but you mentioned a few guys that are close. Yeah, Derrick Henry, if I'm looking at the most impactful offensive player, I, I kind of have to go Derrick Henry. Um, the amount of game planning you have to do to uh, to plan and prepare for him. Um, he's really good at running the football. He can come out of the backfield and beat you. He is the closer. You look at baseball, you got guys like Aroldis Chapman. Well, look at your closers in the NFL. Derrick Henry has to be on that list. Um, there, there are a lot of people really close to him, though. This offensive player of the year was not as easy as it once was. I bounced around between Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, uh, Christian McCaffrey at one point was up in this conversation. But due to injury and everything, they're not up here. Um, I mentioned a couple of other names in here. Nick Chubb of the Cleveland Browns, just based on what this Browns team does with and without him. He still help, is one of the league leaders in rushing, and he missed like four games. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins with the Arizona Cardinals. What a trade. What a trade for the Cardinals. Hopkins has been such a difference maker for them. And then um, I had to include Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers in this conversation as well, just because of how impactful they are. Um, I could easily see whoever wins the MVP taking home this award as well. But as of right now, if I had to be a great offensive player, I would want Derrick Henry on my team. Defensive player of the year, TJ Watt. I, I would argue Miles Garrett, if he hadn't missed two games uh, on the COVID list, 
and TJ Watt really just kind of took off there, Zach. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that one. He can stop the run. He can pressure the quarterback. Whatever Pittsburgh needs him to do, he's done. Yeah, TJ Watt was my preseason MVP favorite, and that bounced around a little bit too. It went from TJ Watt to Miles Garrett, and now back to TJ Watt. And it's not because I'm a Steelers fan that I'm saying it. No, he leads the league in sacks, quarterback pressures, quarterback hits. If it's a, if it's a defensive category for an offensive uh, or for a defensive lineman, edge rusher, or linebacker, he's up there. He is very much so up there. Um, he is a lot of force. He's a lot of force. Um, and I mentioned it with Miles Garrett too. Miles Garrett, he'll come beat you off the edge. TJ Watt can beat you in more ways than just off the edge. And I think that he has to be up there in that consideration for defensive player of the year. Look, when you got a guy like JJ Watt turning and saying that you should be the defensive player of the year this year, I'd listen. Coach of the year, you have Brian Flores. And while I can see that that is a good pick, Kevin Stefanski is in my eyes coach of the year. And this is partially because I'm a Browns fan. I will, I will seed that, but he has taken this Browns team from a team that just a few years ago went one and 30 at one in two seasons to a playoff contender to a team that has a nine and three record, a team that there's only, I think four teams in the NFL with a better record. I don't see how anyone other than Kevin Stefanski can win this award. So what's your mindset with Brian Flores? So I I do agree that I think Stefanski should be in the conversation. I really do. Um, Stefanski has been really good and one of the best hires that the Browns could have made this year. Um, But Brian Flores, in my mind, is the better coach for this reason alone. What did let, let me ask you this question and kind of answer your question with a question. Where did you see the Miami Dolphins being record wise going into this year? I did not see them where they were. I thought they were a four or five win team at the high end. Okay. But you you look at everything this Miami team has. You know, this defense has stepped up big. You've got some big wins on here. The Miami Dolphins have beaten the Rams, the Cardinals. Those are the two biggest wins. If they answer the question against the Chiefs this week, I'd even be more surprised. Um, Tua has shown up. His receiving core has been pretty decent. Um, you Look, you're, you've been a pretty solid team. You are 8-4. and four. Now, yes, Kevin Stefanski has turned and brought a Browns team that was garbage, was trash, was crud, was crap, whatever you want to call it. That's what the Browns were the past few seasons. And Kevin Stefanski has made them very relevant again. But at the same time, he had a lot of those pieces already there and in place when he got there. Now, with Flores, Flores, this is his second season as a coach. This is his quarterback. It's his system that the team is now running. Brian Flores has done a heck of a job. And in the NFC East, which I will sit here and agree that the NFC East and the AFC East have both been really bad. And should the AFC East should have been bad this year, but the the Dolphins are relevant. They're very relevant. And again, a staple win over the Chiefs this week, I think, would all but check off the box. Coach of the year for me for Brian Flores. And your offensive rookie of the year, Justin Jefferson. Wide receiver out of LSU plays for the Minnesota Vikings right now. Now, Offensive Rookie of the Year has been changing 
all year long. Joe Burrow was my offensive rookie of the year going into the season. Joe Burrow went down, he got hurt, and you and I both kind of agreed that that sealed the end for his offensive rookie of the year chances. Now, you may be asking, well, why not Justin Herbert? Justin Herbert's been turning the ball over a lot. Um, He's good. Justin Herbert's a very, very talented young man. Um, And he's going to be great in the NFL one day when this team can figure out what an offensive line is. Um, Too many mistakes out of him have not been helpful. Then you look at another guy, Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool has cooled off a lot. Um, He's still really good. He's still a difference maker, but he is, I think you got to take him down a notch or two on the offensive rookie of the year. You want to know a guy who has been just consistently good? It's Justin Jefferson. He came into a spot where he needed to replace Stephon Diggs. And you want to know what he's done? He's been better than Stephon Diggs in my eyes. He's a guy who is fast. He can run, make great plays. Justin Jefferson's my rookie of the year right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one as well. Quickly now to defensive rookie of the year, Jeremy Chin. I agree with yeah. this pick. Jeremy Chin, a great player for the Carolina Panthers right now. Any guy who can score two back-to-back defensive drive fumbles for a touchdown both times. Hello? Think McFly. Jeremy Chin is really good. Now, you can argue guys like Chase Young, but nobody has been more of a difference maker than Jeremy Chin in my eyes. And then finally, comeback player of the year, Zach, you and I on the same page once again. Ben Roethlisberger with Alex Smith closing in. Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger has been my comeback player of the year, coming back from missing a whole season, a potential season-ending injury, a career-ending injury, um, tearing a couple of ligaments off of your throwing arm, and he's been playing really well. Um, As of late, he's been a little questionable. Um, He's getting the ball out, out of his hands faster than anybody um, he hasn't been sacked in the past five games. Ben Roethlisberger is playing really well, but he needs to be pushing his team more to be a little bit better. And we mentioned Alex Smith. Alex Smith had a lot of procedures done to his leg. He almost lost his leg after a terrible, terrible injury. The fact that he is playing football again is nothing short of a miracle. Alex Smith is an inspiration Alex Smith is a great, great football player, great uh, attitude, good IQ. Um, I'd say he's close. I'd say he's uh, like really close. If he can lead Washington to the postseason, I think that you could argue a lot strongly, a lot more strongly for Alex Smith. However, Roethlisberger has been playing more consistently than Alex Smith and has been a starter longer this year than Alex Smith, and that's why I give the edge to Roethlisberger. So you and I almost in total agreement with our three-quarter season rankings. We'll move on now to some quick playoff scenarios. Saints and Chiefs have clinched. Jets, Chargers, Bengals, and Jags are all out. Steelers, if they win out, they'll get the number one seed. If the Chiefs win out and the Steelers lose one game, the Chiefs will have the number one seed. Uh, This is because the Steelers have a better conference record. Did you have that right? Yeah, so the Steelers have the better in-conference record. Okay, yeah. 
Um, again, the Chiefs' loss came in the AFC. The Steelers' loss came to an NFC team. Um, no team can uh, clinch a playoff spot this week other than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the Steelers are in a position where they win and they are in. So a Steelers win over Buffalo would be a clinching scenario. So three teams would then be in the postseason for sure. And the Kansas City Chiefs can clinch the AFC West with a win over the Dolphins. Now, uh, the Raiders control their own death or the Chiefs control their own destiny in that regard. If the Chiefs lose one game and the Raiders win out, the Raiders would then take the West. Um, the other thing to look at is no team has a close place as in terms of magic numbers. Um, two teams or three teams, excuse me, can clinch a playoff spot next week, assuming that they win this week. That would be the Cleveland Browns the Green Bay Packers, and the Buffalo Bills. So playoff berths coming down to the wire as it does every year. That's going to finish up NFL action. We'll talk now about the NBA. James Harden has not yet shown up to practice. He's open to a trade with the Sixers if Houston decides to go that way. They've already traded Russell Westbrook to Washington for John Wall in a first-round pick. Zach is hardening it. Uh, this is not good. This is not good for the Rockets. No, not at all. I think the Rockets are the, the dynasty of the Rockets has come to an end. Um, James Harden wants out. He is going public. He said it. he wants out, but the Rockets aren't going to trade him if they don't need to. He just turned down a, a lot of money, a lot of money to not resign with the Rockets and sign a contract extension. And if I'm the Rockets, I turn and I, I trade him away. You got to rebuild this franchise from the ground up. John Wall's a little older, but he's going to be pretty solid. Um, so you you get a first rounder out of it. You trade away Russell Westbrook to the Wizards. You get John Wall and a first rounder. You've got some young pieces in, in, in Houston. And I think that if you were to turn to Philadelphia and say, okay, we'll trade you Harden, but we we want this, period. Maybe a guy like a, maybe like a Ben Simmons type thing where you can come and nurture Ben Simmons into a new place. Um, all I can say is that the Rockets are not good anymore. They are not. And Harden wants out. He isn't showing up. Um, kind of reminds me of Le'Veon Bell a couple years back, just not coming into practice for the Steelers and just holding out. And maybe that's something similar we're seeing with the Rockets here. He doesn't want to play, and he might need he might not need to for the Rockets this year. Lakers signed Anthony Davis to a max extension to return to the Lakers. We said that when Davis opted out of his contract. We figured that was what was going to happen. LeBron has signed a two-year deal. Uh, he has extended to what what we believe is going to be Bronny's graduating year. So he's now locked up for two more years. So it ends up a fi- at least a five-year stint with the Lakers. And the Lakers are going to be formidable again. Yeah, the Lakers, no pushover, uh, especially with uh, Clay Thompson being out in the West. He is not going to play this season, or at least for a good chunk of this season, coming off of another injury this offseason. The Warriors aren't going to be as formidable. They don't have Kevin Durant anymore. Clay Thompson, again, hurt. Stephon Curry, or Stephen Curry, I can't believe I just said Stephon Curry. Stephen Curry is back. He'll be playing. Draymond Green will be playing, but... I don't know what we'll see out of them. The Suns could be very formidable this year. I think they are the best chance of knocking off the Lakers other than the Portland Trail Blazers. Okay, well, 
Move on now. MLS Cup 2020 will be held this Saturday in Columbus's Maffrey Stadium between the Columbus Crew and the Seattle Sounders. Columbus got that way via, or got there via a one-nil win over the New England Revolution on Sunday. Sounders, or pardon me, Saturday. Sounders get their come from behind win three to two over Minnesota United uh, to. Get in there. Columbus looking for their second MLS Cup in their third appearance. They are the original club in MLS, in case you didn't know that. The Sounders are the defending champions, and they're looking for their third cup since 2016. This will be the last game held at Matt Free Stadium in Columbus before the move to New Crew Stadium. And I say this because Matt Free Stadium, formerly Crew Stadium, uh, was the first professional soccer-specific stadium built in the United States. Uh, it opened, I want to say, in 99. For the first few years of the crew's existence, they played in the Horseshoe, uh, but they are moving to a new stadium downtown near Nationwide Arena in Huntington Park, home of the Columbus Clippers. And this is a team that, Zach, I, I don't know how much you know about the crew, but a few years ago, the former owners, Anthony Precourt, tried to move this team to Austin, Texas. The teams, the player or the fans said no. Columbus said no. Forced the sale of the crew to G, uh, D and Jimmy Haslam and Dr. Anthony Edwards, who was the or Dr. Not Anthony Edwards. I can't remember. Dr. Edwards, who was the team's physician for many years. And it kept this team in Columbus. And they have a chance to win their second title and become probably known as one of the elite clubs in MLS history. Yeah, you're right. I don't know a lot about soccer. I don't know a lot about the MLS. I can call soccer, but I don't know a lot of the ins and outs of soccer. That'll take us to underreaction and overreaction. Zach and I will ask each other a question, and we will give an answer if we think it is an underreaction or if it is an overreaction. So, Zach, I will start with you. The Titans and Browns will meet again in the playoffs. Underreaction or overreaction? This is an overreaction. Do you want to know the reason why it's an overreaction? Because the Titans won't make the playoffs? I think it's a possibility that they don't make the playoffs, but... I don't think that the Titans and Browns will meet in the first round, and one of those two teams will be eliminated in the first round, if not both of them. Um, I don't know. Playoff football is so something so much different than you know normal football. But in the AFC, if you're looking at winning numbers here, the Titans and Colts have the same record, but the Colts control their own destiny here. The Colts can just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. The Titans don't have the easiest of schedules either. Uh, you got to look at a lot of a, a lot of different things. Um, the, the Tennessee Titans have the Jaguars, the Lions, the Packers, and the Texans, and I could see them losing two of those games. The Colts, on the other hand, their schedule is a lot tougher in my eyes than the you know the Titans at the Raiders, the Texans, the Steelers, and the Jaguars. So the Colts are in a position where they need to win arguably three of their last four. And that's their, their, their big thing right now. Uh, I'm going to say this is an overreaction because I think that either one of these teams won't make the playoffs or they just won't interact. The scheduling is just so difficult in the playoffs. So I'm going to say this is an overreaction. Yeah, I agree with this, you on that. 
So the Kansas City Chiefs, after the Steelers losing, have an easier path to the number one seed, overreaction or underreaction. This is this is an underreaction. The Steelers have to play the Bills and the Browns, which I think are two harder games for them, depending on what's going to happen. Meanwhile, the Dolphin or the Ste- or Chiefs have the Dolphins, the Saints, the Falcons, and the Chargers. The Dolphins game is going to be a tough one for them. We'll see what happens, and the Saints game might be a the one of the better games we've seen in the NFL this year but I don't see them having any trouble with the Falcons or the Chargers. Yeah, it's funny that you mention the Browns and not the Colts. I think the Colts game is going to be a lot tougher than the Browns are. And again, we as we said during our AFC North preview show, it depends on what Steelers team shows up in Cleveland that week 17. Um, I, 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 would, I don't know if I would say easier. Uh, as in terms of strength of schedule, then yes, technically it's an easier schedule for the Kansas City Chiefs. They're playing two teams that have losing records. But the Falcons have been very, very good lately. They have shown up. They've shown up on offense. Their defense has been pretty decent. Um, the Chargers have the, the talent to do it, but they're hurt. Um, I, I think the Saints game is the key one. I really do. I don't see the Steelers losing two games. Like as in terms of two of their last couple of games, but I don't know. I didn't expect them to lose to the Washington football team. Uh, this week is pivotal, pivotal. You beat the bills, you then get the Bengals, and then you get the Colts at home. The bills game is the biggest one that you have to look for if you're the Steelers. So I, I would, I would kind I would agree with your take that it is an underreaction, that it's an easier schedule just based on the record of it. But in the NFL, all teams you have to consider hostile. Zach, underreaction or overreaction? The Rockets will ch- uh, will trade James Harden. Oh, this is an easy underreaction. Look, Harden wants out. Harden has all the leverage. He can sit there and say, I'm just not going to show up. Find me all you want. Harden is a good basketball player, but I'd say he's a little overrated. Um, He wants out. It's as simple as that. The only thing that's stopping a trade from happening right now is how much compensation that the sick, that the rate the Rockets would be getting back in exchange for anywhere that they trade Harden to. Uh, If they trade Harden to the Sixers, I don't think you're going to get the compensation back that you want. Again, Harden wants out. Harden can turn and say, no, but I don't believe he has a no trade clause in his contract. And that's all I can say on that. end. I, I think this is an easy underreaction. I think he's going to get traded. Yeah, he's he's going to be out of there. Who knows where he'll end up, though? Overreaction or underreaction, the Los Angeles Lakers will repeat as NBA champions after re-signing AD and LeBron and bringing in all the free agents they did. This is an underreaction. The Lakers are on paper, the best team in the NBA. We'll see what happens once the season tips off on the 22nd, but I think the Lakers have the easy best chances to go back and win a championship. The only, the only asterisks I give there is if they catch the injury bug. Zach underreaction or overreaction. The Patriots have a better chance of making the playoffs than the Ravens. This is tough too. Because I don't think the Patriots are making the uh, the playoffs regardless. Uh, their their schedule is just too tough. Their, it's too tough. And if the Patriots win it, then I'd be scared of the Patriots. But the Patriots, 
they, they're, they're like that fluffy dog that she'll pass every once in a while. They've got teeth, but they don't always show them. Um, the, the Ravens, I don't know. The Ravens, it comes down to the Browns game this week. I think that the Browns, if they can beat the Ravens here, is it's kind of the nail on the coffin for the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens don't have a tough schedule remaining. They have the easiest schedule left in the NFL, but they're relying on others at that point. Um, the, the Ravens are in a posi- position where they need to win every game they can to get in. I think the Browns are going to beat them again, as I said, and, and then it's just the Ravens have to win and hope that teams above them lose. The Raiders, the Dolphins, and the Colts, those are the three teams that you need to be paying attention to over the next couple of weeks if you're a Ravens fan. As in terms of do I think the Patriots have a better chance than the Ravens? No, I don't think the Patriots have a better chance of making it to the Ravens. So I guess I'd say overreaction. But do I think the Ravens are going to make the postseason? I stand by my take I made a couple of weeks ago. The Baltimore Ravens will not be in the postseason this year. So now I turn. After losing his job to Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz will no longer be the starter for Philadelphia. This is an overreaction. I think next season we'll see Carson Wentz get one more chance. But after a a garbage truck caught on fire, drove over a cliff, and crashed into an oil refinery, that is how bad this team has been in Philadelphia. I think he gets one more chance, but he, he's done this season. Unless something horrendous happens, he's not going to be playing for the, Ra- uh, for the Eagles the rest of the season. And finally, Zach, we talked about the Buckeyes at the top of the show. Will the Buckeyes make the college football playoffs even if they do not play in the Big Ten Championship? I don't know. I don't know. Um, the, the committee has shown that they don't care. They do not care about winning conference championships. They don't. Um, and, and unless, you know, the, the Buckeyes don't pass the eye test that people want to see, then I don't know. Um, Texas A&M won't be playing this week. They won't. Their game also got taken away from them. So um, am I going to see the Brown, the Buckeyes in the college football playoff? I think so. I think so. I think this is an... Um, Let's see. Uh, We'll make the playoffs. Yeah, this is an underreaction, I think. I think that they make it in, although they don't play this week. I hope that the Buckeyes can get a game scheduled in there, but if they don't play in the Big Ten Championship, I think it becomes more of a debate, but I think the Buckeyes make it in. Okay, and that's going to just about do it for us, Zach. You got any final thoughts? Good luck on exams, everybody. Football is all we need right now. Yeah, let's go football. Let's go Browns playoffs for the first time since 2002. I'm calling it. We're going to see the Browns in the wild card round. Pittsburgh's going to have the one seed. Kansas City's going to lose their next two games. There's my hot take to finish it off. My hot hot take take is that Kansas City's going to lose to Miami and then lose to the Saints. The Smith & Seidel Show is produced by Zach Smith and Jacob Seidel. Uh, Our intro and outro music is by Bobby Quinn Creative Music Production. You can find him on Fiverr by searching Bobby Quinn C. He's highly recommended, did a great job, love our theme song every time I play it. And our Smith & Seidel logo was created by Dylan Hunter, a student here at Bowling Green State University. Dylan, thank you once again. It looks great. I'll make sure to get you a t-shirt when we get them printed up. 
So for Zach Smith, I'm Jacob Seidel, reminding you to stay safe, stay healthy, and I Ziggy Zumba. Zumba.